Amen. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Excellent, excellent. I've got some notes to hand out this morning. I want to talk about what do you do when you win the lottery? Do you know that statistically, the rate of bankruptcies for those who win the lottery is higher than those who don't win the lottery? So sometimes we think, well, if all I did was had all this money, if all I did was have this, if all I did... But the problem is sometimes we get those things and we don't know what to do with them. And when I say winning the lottery, some there, there's been people that have won tens of millions of dollars. And within three years, they were broke. And you say, well, gee whiz, just give me a million dollars and let and watch what I can do with it. But it's it's a it's an interesting dilemma. It's an interesting thing that when people are given things, sometimes it's not the giving or the getting, it's the maintaining after you get it that the challenge comes. And it's quite often that is where it is really the struggle. Isn't, we get all this, I get all this blessing, but if I don't know what to do with the winnings in the lottery, if I don't know what to do with them, I can forfeit them, I can waste them, I can lose them, and if I'm not careful, I actually become miserable. They've, they've said that some of these people, they've interviewed people that have won the lottery. And they said they're more miserable now because they have this money than before. And you're saying, well, just give me a chance. <laughs> and I'm with you there. Just give me a chance. But if you don't know what to do or if you don't have a plan or if you don't know how to maintain the gain, quite often the result is worse than what you had before. So I'm not here talking about money this morning. But what I want to talk about is the blessing that God has given you and the blessing that you are going to walk into is huge. And I'm speaking prophetically. God has put this in my heart a number of months ago and I've been meditating on it and just letting it saturate and marinate inside my spirit. And I believe that everyone here, there are blessings that you are going to see and experience. Some of it will be financial. Some of it will be financial. Some of it will be relational where you've asked God to restore a relationship. Some of it may be other material aspects. And I believe with everything inside of me that God is saying you are on the cusp of seeing this come to pass. And what I want to do is I want to give you some thoughts and some ideas and some principles from the Word of God that when those things happen, what you do with it is more important than having it in your hand. So maintaining your gain, it's not all about winning the lottery. And we've shared this now for a number of weeks. Look at somebody and say, God's going to bless me. Now look at somebody else and say, God's going to bless me. 
I believe that with, I believe that with all my heart. And you say, well, you're just saying something. Yeah, I am just saying something. But I'll show you some scriptures and the word of God that shows what his blessing and how he does things. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to De- Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I've got about one, two, three, four, five, six things that I want to share with you this morning. And I want you to see what it is, looks like and some of the principles from the Word of God on how you maintain what God has given you. The book of De- Deuteronomy is also called the book of remembrance. And if you read the book of Deuteronomy, read it with how many times does the word remember come up? Remember, remembrance, and you'd be amazed at how many times that word or a similar word comes up in the book of Deuteronomy. So some of you right now, and I'm not talking about salvation here, although salvation is the greatest gift God gives us. But God did not just save you and say, here you go. God saved you, and then he gave you all these other things. And sometimes I don't think we realize all the things God's given us. For instance, God has called you, designed you, and programmed you to be the head and not the tail. Being the tail stinks, literally. Just think about that for a second. But God has designed you to be the head. God has designed you, programmed, and put it inside of you that you would lend to many nations. And not borrow. And quite often we fall less than what God has for us. And I can't explain to you why. Because I also have that issue at times as well. But what I want to do today is I want to give you some thoughts and some principles from the word of God. So that when you experience something. And it doesn't have to be huge and major. Because sometimes it's the little things that build into big things. A few weeks ago, I talked on little steps actually are big steps. But what you do with the blessing that God has given you is huge. It's huge. And I, I know I'm repeating this, repeating this, repeating this. But I want us to know. So when, Because one morning, some of you are going to wake up and you're going to go, wow, look at this blessing. What are you going to do with it? So I want to show you about five or six things here out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. You've got your notes. And the first thing, if you go down to verses 4 to 9. I want to read them and then I want to just give you a few thoughts here. Amen? Who here likes the blessings of God? Who here would rather have blessing than the alternative? Who who here is a glutton for punishment? It's like, I know, some of us are. Some of us are. but, But I'm here to tell you, gluttony can stop. Who here 
would like to be the one in your office, and you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but who here would be like the one, who would like to be the one in the office that people go, you know what, if I've got a problem, that's the person I'm going to talk to. Who, who here would like to be the individual that says, that, that others would say, you know what, there's, there's, I, I just get around that person and I want to be around them because when I'm around them, I just feel better. That's what God has for you. So I want to show you the, these things. The first thing you've got to realize is you continually rehearse God's wins. Rehearse his goodness. Because when you rehearse his wins, they're actually your wins. I find this, I, I, I was talking to somebody, and I find this amazing because sometimes we say, well, it's, it's God that does it. And it is, and yet it's I that do it as well. And I can't figure that out. And sometimes we say, well, it's all about God. But God says, yeah, it's all about me. But then he also says at the same time, he says, but he says, we'll drive them out, but you're going to put them to confusion. You have a part to play as well. So rehearse the goodness of God. I wrote down there, rehearse his goodness, keep it alive. I, I had a tune going in my head. Some of you know I get tunes going in my head every once in a while. I, I was doing almost like that disco, disco fever thing, keeping it alive, like staying alive, staying alive. It's like, you've got to keep it alive. Keep the goodness of God alive in your life. And when you read this passage in Deuteronomy, it talks about telling it to your children and your children's children. When you read the passage in Deuteronomy, it actually tells them to write it on their forehead, to put it on their door frames, and to teach it when they sit and when they rise. And the Jewish people actually developed this thing called a phylactery. And it was a little booklet with scriptures in it. And they literally would put that and strap it around on their forehead. Because it was so important for them to remember the words and the goodness of God. Now I'm not telling us we develop phylacteries, but what I'd like to challenge you or ask you is, how many of you actually have a scripture verse of God's goodness in your house that's visible? Because that's how you keep it alive. How many of us teach our children. So this morning, Thaddeus comes to me and he gives me the two flags. He doesn't just give me one, he gives me two. What am I going to do? I'm going to teach him how to worship. I'm going to show him that it doesn't matter how proud I am or who I think I am. I'm gonna, when, when a little boy comes to you, a little girl comes to you and gives you a flag and says, let's worship together, what are you going to do? You're going to join them in that. And what you're going to do is you're going to rehearse the goodness of God and you're going to have it posted all around you. Because we need to teach the next generation and the next generation about God's goodness because quite frankly, nobody else will. Newsflash, the school system does not teach them about God's goodness. It teaches them how to do math. We need to teach them how to do spiritual math. The goodness of God is multiplying, adding, benefits. 
A key to possessing is to continually rehearse the words and the wins that God has given you because they're also your wins. Tell it to your children all the time, literally on you and around you. Testimonies breed thanksgiving. When somebody starts telling a testimony, quite often what happens, is it breeds thanksgiving. It breeds thank you, God, thank you, God. And what happens is when thanksgiving starts to grow, it breeds an expectation of more. Do it again. You did it for this individual, you can do it again. I have some testimonies in my life. Pastor Winona and I have testimonies in our lives, and they aren't testimonies that we've been dormant. We keep them, and we start talking about them. The first house I got, the first vehicle I got, the property that we live in now, those are all things that actually are testimonies of the goodness of God in my life. The first property we purchased, I remember getting married, living in an apartment, and I would drive over Old Yale road and I drove over this hill and there was a vacant piece of land a farmer's field with an old farmhouse and there was a sign about a development coming and I looked at that and without even thinking I said to myself and I might have said it out loud I was by myself driving to school I said I'd love to live here I said that I'd love to live here I was in school, married, with a child, in an apartment, with no down payment, and I got this crazy, it just, sometimes we blurt out things and we don't realize what we say, and I drove over that edge, and then about a, in the course of about six months, they put in the paved roads, two roads, and I wasn't stupid, I realized I couldn't do it within the time frame of that development. Well, the development slowed down. And then one Sunday, Pastor Nelson calls Pastor Winona and I. We're just driving around Sunday afternoon, and he says, hey, I want you to come. I want to show you something. So he tells us where to meet him. We go and we meet him, and it's actually the property and the hill that I drove over, and I said, I want to live here. And he says, listen, I talked to some people, and you know what? This value of this property, you know what? I think you can do it. And we started to explore it. And before you knew it, Pastor, Pastor Nelson had helped us and showed us how we could actually buy this property, build a house, and get support to do it. And we actually moved from an apartment into a home. And we had help. But what I want you to see is sometimes we don't realize the goodness of God. I keep rehearsing that. Why? Because sometimes I think we need to just say what comes to our mind. In fact... I'm careful not to say things because there's places I don't want to live. And so when I drive by there, I don't want to live there because I'm happy. But seriously, I drove over that hill before it was anything. And I said, man, I'd love to live on this hill. And it happened. I'm rehearsing this. I'm going to rehearse another one. The property we're at now, for 10 years, I would read the Real Estate Weekly. I literally memorized the Real Estate Weekly. I grew up on acreage, and I wanted to have acreage. But I had this funny idea. I told God I didn't want it any further away from work than where I live now. 
which was at that property. I wanted it as close to the freeway as I had it now, and I wanted it closer to work because I didn't want to travel any further. And I had these funny ideas. Well, what happens is I see an ad in the Real Estate Weekly for a piece of land, and the price did not make any sense. And I usually would pass those by, but I knew values, and I looked at that, and I thought, I actually called the realtor who was helping us, and I said, this just sounds too good to be true. And he goes, yeah, that, that, that just doesn't sound right. And I said, well, I'm going to call them anyways. I called them up, and wouldn't you know it, it was correct. And we actually got the value of that land for about $50,000 less than they posted it, which was more than 10% off the asking price. When we sold the house, I, I want to build your faith. I want to rehearse to you some of the good things God has done in our life. When we sold the house, I sat across the table from our realtor and I said, I'm believing God for a more than, more than full price offer. He looks at me and he smiles. Because here I am, a 20-year-old, 20-year-old something, 28, 29, 30, somewhere in there. I got, I got, no, he's got all the experience. He knows how these deals happen. So for this little whippersnapper to say, I'm expecting God of more than full price offer, who is he? I had a gentleman drive by the property one day, and he was on, he was on, on his job. So he stopped in, said, can I just quickly walk through your house? I like it. I like the neighborhood, and, and I, I just want to walk through it. He finishes the walkthrough. He pulls out of his pocket a loony. He says, here's a dollar. I'm going to make an offer. Do you know, he made a full-price offer. I got a full-price offer plus a loony. I should have been a little more specific. <laughs> what I want you to, this actually happens. When I was 16 years old, I decided I wanted to go to Bible school, but I didn't have a vehicle and I wasn't working because I'd hurt my knee. It turned out that I got compensation from workers' comp because I hurt my knee at work, and they paid me a wage that was phenomenal for that year because I was actually working and making some good money. And at the end of that year, when I got ready to go to Bible school, I was able to pay cash, and I paid cash for my vehicle. Start speaking and start rehearsing the things that God has done for you. Because what happened is I just shared some things, and you know what? That testimony started to bring forth thanksgiving. And as I'm even sharing myself, I'm starting to build faith inside of me that the next thing God's going to do is going to be better than the thing he's done before. And the good things, he, God moves you from better to best. He's got those superlatives figured out. He doesn't take you away, he moves you forward. And they say, well, if he took you away, if he takes you away, it's because it's for your better. Because he's got something better than what you've got now in store. So what are some of the keys? Rehearse his goodness. Keep it alive. Do the jingle, do the dance, staying alive, keep it alive, keep it alive. Ha, 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 keep it alive. Google Bee Gees, watch it yourself. They sing it much better than I do. Oh, you don't have to agree with me there. Second thing I want you to see is your best response to freedom is helping someone else get free. Jesus gives us freedom. 
And if you read Galatians chapter 5, it says it's for freedom that God set you free. And then you read, continue reading in verse 13, it says, but don't use this freedom for an occasion of the flesh, but serve one another. The freedom that I have received from God isn't so that I can just leap it on myself and heap it on me, but the freedom that he's given me, that it, the broken the chains, released me from the house of slavery, because that's what it says in Deuteronomy 6 and 7. It talks about a house of slavery. God takes us out of that and brings us into abundance. It isn't so that I can sit there and stay there. What it is is now I want to go help someone else get out of slavery and bring them into freedom. That's what freedom is about. It's not about what I get away with. It's what I can help somebody else get out of. And God brought the children of Israel out of the house of slavery into his abundance. Now, this is Old Testament picture. But what it is, it's a picture of what Jesus has done for you and me. He took us out of slavery. You know, I am amazed at having conversations with people who haven't yet found Christ who struggle with things and are so bound up. And the, I've, I've sat there and I've listened to individuals as they've shared some of their stories. And it's heartbreaking. And then as, as, as I'm talking with them, they say, I just can't help myself, but I just do this. And I want to do better, but I just can't. I can't get over this. I can't get past this. And there's something inside of me that says, no, Jesus can help you. Because one word, the name of Jesus, and yes, I agree with Pastor, uh, what Charlene said I say pastor because you do pastor, Charlene. And as, as she was sharing this morning, she says it's not just the name, but it's the person behind that name. And what he did, and one name can break the chains that hold people up. I've sat there, I've listened, it almost breaks my heart to hear these people my age they are saying, you know what, I just can't get over this. And every time I think I want to take a step, you don't understand what I fight inside of me, the voices that I hear, the things, the cravings that I want. And they sit there, and the struggle is real. And here I am. I've been set free. And the freedom that I enjoy isn't so that I can just keep doing whatever I want, but the freedom that I enjoy and that I tasted is so that I can say, you know what, Jesus can break those chains, and he came to take you out of slavery and bring you into abundance. Freedom isn't just for me to enjoy. It's so that I can help others get free. I can be that one who got out of the prison, who runs back and unlocks all the other doors and lets other people run free. And one of the keys of maintaining the lottery that God has given you is the freedom and the blessing he's given you isn't to be hoarded with your hands tight, but it's to be open to share with others and bring them into the freedom that you've seen. I love these shows like it used to be uh, the house show where they made a house for a family, the community and the people. Pardon me? Extreme makeover, home makeover. And it would just tug at my heartstrings to see this couple that had struggled. And then this group comes in and they build this house in a week. And then the people come and they pull the bus out of the way. And the tears and the emotion... That's what it's like as believers 
that you get to help somebody, that he gets to realize, she gets to realize, they get to realize that the breaking of that bondage, the breaking of that demand on their life and that urge is broken and they don't have to live like that anymore, but now they get to live in freedom. Freedom from those voices. Freedom from the pain. It's through Jesus. And the key to maintaining the gain that God has given you is that the blessing and the victory and the benefits he has for you, the freedom he's given you, is so that you can help other people get free. We have misused the word freedom and used it as a license to do what we want instead of using it as a license to help others get out of the bondage they're in. That is a key. That is a key to maintaining and living a life of victory. Helping others. Your best response to freedom is helping someone else. It says in Deuteronomy there that God took them out of the house of slavery. Next thing I want you to see is in Genesis, uh, Deuteronomy 7, verses 1 to 5, he talks about when you get into the promised land, don't let them live, but actually have complete destruction. And I have found too many believers that negotiate with God. And what happens is when you negotiate the blessing and the maximum potential, you actually minimize its value. And I've seen it. I've had conversations with people. Well, God wants me to live that, but, you know, that was written like 2,000 years ago. He doesn't understand what it's like in 2019. He, you know, economics have changed. This has changed. And yeah, those things have changed, but his word does not change. And the principle here is if God tells you to get rid of something... I'll make it real simple. Get rid of it. Don't negotiate with terrorists. Whether they're children or whether they're something else, don't negotiate with them. I've had four children. There were times we did not negotiate. Do not minimize the maximization of what God has for you. I've seen it. I've heard of words like, well, whenever God wants to bless you, and then the, the response is, well. And quite often when it's well, what we're doing is we're taking it and bringing it down. And our reasoning starts to lessen the potential and the maximum that God has for us. So one of the keys on maintaining what God has given to you is do not compromise. When God tells you to do something, you do what he says. And if he doesn't tell you to do it, don't do it. In other words, learn to hear his voice so well that when he speaks, you know it and you do it without compromise and without hesitation. 
And I've learned that myself. There's been times when I've done things myself because I thought it was the right thing and it didn't work out. There's other times when I've done it and what I found is it was actually God told me to do it and the benefit propelled me further than what I could have imagined. And I've seen people. And what happens is when you negotiate, you allow something to live that should be dead. And when you allow something to live that should be dead, you end up living with something that shouldn't be in your life. And what's amazing is God says he'll work on it. There are some things I I don't understand. I'm human. God is divine. And his ways sometimes confound us because sometimes he will put his hand on something that I've lived with for 20 years, 30 years, and they'll say, okay, David, now it's time. And it's like, well, why doesn't he work on everything? I, 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 I have a hard enough time just working on one thing. So God will bring something up to you, and he'll say, today we're going to work on attitude. Do you know what you're going to work on that day? Attitude. And somebody said, don't ask for patience. But God is going to work on those things and when he does, don't compromise, don't allow something to don't allow something to live when God says no, that's not to be part of your life. Because what you allow to live, you actually live with. And by the way, this is in a spiritual sense. So don't unfriend everybody on Facebook and send all these nasty messages to people and say, you know what, God told me I shouldn't be your friend anymore. So there, no, we now fight against, we don't fight flesh and blood, but we fight against some of these spiritual things in high places, wickedness. And so there's, there's it's not that I'm going to say to somebody, you're not my friend anymore, but I'm going to discern and understand where the battle is and what it is. It's not against flesh and blood. I don't want people running out here and all of a sudden next week somebody come. You know what? I told this person that. I told that person that. And I told this person to get lost. And that. And no, 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 no. But there may be attitudes. There may be mindsets. There may be. And by the way, it's in here. I'm not here to tell somebody else you have to do this because of this. No. I need to get my house in order. I need to maintain what God has given me. And what I find is when I take care of the things he's given me, some of those other relationships, they seem to work out okay. Some of them dissipate and move on, and they should, and others grow stronger. Here's another one. Here's another key to maintaining the gain that you have. It's not all about winning the lottery. Because it ain't because of you. It's because of God. It isn't because of what I've done. It's because of what God's done. And if you read the passage in Deuteronomy chapter 7, it talks about God chose the children of Israel. He says, I chose you. And it wasn't because you were strong. It wasn't because you were many. In fact, you were few and you were small. You were the smallest and the least of all. How's that for self-esteem? talking to God, and he says, by the way, you weren't smart, you weren't bright, you weren't the best, you weren't this, you were the least, and it's because of that I chose you and I pulled you. 
I, st- I, sh- I say I struggle. I think a lot of us struggle with this thing called ego. Let go of my ego. It's let go of my ego I should do. Because something happens, a blessing happens, and what happens, I start to think it was because of me. And God blesses me, and I think it's because of what I've done. Now, I believe in following his word and keeping his principles and doing that, but it's because of his blessing. It's what he adds to it. And don't get jealous when God adds something to somebody that you care about or somebody that you like or somebody you don't like, and God blesses them. Don't get jealous and all hate on them. But it's, it's not because of us. So one of the keys to maintaining the gain that God has given us is to realize my part to play in this is I just do what he tells me to do. Which is rather insignificant. And he comes along and he adds all these things to it. The key is it's not because of you. I like this one here. Deuteronomy 7, 12. Another key is it shall come about. I love this, and I was reading it, and in this passage, it, it's, it reads like this. Then it shall come to pass. Keep doing what God's told you to do. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. Keep planting. Keep doing the things that God has told you to do. And then it reads here, and it shall come to pass. In Galatians it says, you will reap if you faint not. Don't quit doing and sowing what God has told you to do because it shall come to pass. Don't stop short of those things. There are things I'm doing today that I've determined in my heart I'm going to keep doing. Because years ago, God told me, will you do this? And I said, yes. And quite frankly, right now, it is harder to do it than it was before. But I am determined I'm going to keep doing this and doing this. Why? Because it shall come to pass. It shall come about. Keep doing what God has told you to do because when you, may, when you walk into the promises of what God happens, has given you, it will happen, but that's how you maintain the good things he's done for you. You keep doing what he's told you to do and it shall come to pass. Look at somebody and say, it will happen. The last thing I want us to see is in Deuteronomy 7, and it's verses 17 to 24. Is God does it again. We talked about it's not about me. And in that section of verses, God says, listen, you're going to enter this area, and there's going to be giants, and there's going to be these nations that are bigger than you. But just remember what I did before taking you out of the land of Egypt, taking you out of the slavery, taking you out of those things, and I'm going to do it again. One of the keys to maintaining the blessing that God has given you is remember that he'll do it again. I'd like to suggest to you to have a dream so large and so big and so audacious that it scares the bejeebers out of you 
And it says, I can only do this through what God has designed for me. Don't have a dream so small that you could do it in your sleep. Have a dream so big that it scares you and you say, I can only do this through what Christ has done. In fact, I can't do this, but only God can. And the reason why I'm dreaming this big is because of what he did there, what he did there, what he did there, what he did there, what he did there. And if he did it there, he can do it again. One of the greatest things we can do in maintaining our victory is realizing that he can do it again. So what I've done is I've given you about five or six keys on how to maintain the gain that God has given you. Because you are going to get a blessing. You are going to get a blessing. That thing that you've been looking at is going to, the door is going to open. You're going to see something happen and you're going to have that. And if you don't care, you're not careful, the lottery win that you get, you will lose because you weren't ready for it. So get ready to step into what God has for you because it is coming. It's coming. It's coming. I can't stress that enough for you. It's coming. We have, as a body, we have fought, we have worked, and we have struggled with things. I'm here to tell you that God is about to do something at solid rock that is greater than what we could even imagine. And when that happens, what we do with it is more important than what actually happens. I believe that as a corporate body, salvations, turning Abbotsford around, that our city would be affected by the gospel of Jesus, that our nation, our province would be affected, and that you and I would have a part to play in that. And when that happens, what do we do with it? What do we do with it is we maintain it so that it can grow. If any of you are a mechanic, they tell you that maintenance is easier than repair. Maintenance is easier than repair. I want to encourage you, take these notes. Read the passages. Take out the principles. See what does it look like. What did Christ do and how does it affect me today? Because he's going to... And... and Look at your husband, look at your wife, look at your children, look at your friends, and tell them something audacious, tell them something bold, tell them something big. Say, this is going to happen. Start speaking something bigger than you and say, this is going to happen. And you say, well, that's ridiculous. You know what? God can do the ridiculous. I just don't think we speak it enough. What if it doesn't happen? Well, try something again. Learn to hear his voice. I had no idea when I said I want to live on that piece of land on that hill. I had no idea what I was saying. And God made it happen. I had no idea that was going to open up. 
And I firmly believe it's because I spoke it. It went into my future and it pulled it into my today. And I'm convinced that as believers, there are victories ahead of us. Start speaking the ridiculous. Start, I'd rather you come to me and say, this is what I spoke and it didn't happen, than you don't come to me at all because nothing's happening. Because I believe you start speaking it, something's going to happen. So I want you to speak something. And you know what? I'll just pass you on to Pastor Nelson. He can explain it. He knows the these and the thous. But you, individually, every one of you, I cannot express this enough. God is about to do something big for you. And you're going to stand back and you're going to go, wow. And I'm here to tell you, when the wow happens, have a plan in place to maintain that. And I've just given you five or six points. Next week, Pastor Daniel, I believe, is going to be sharing. And he's going to share with you some other thoughts about how God blesses you and what to do with the blessing that he has for you. Amen? Let's stand. Why don't you grab the hand of somebody around you? Everybody grab a hand. Not your own. Don't be strangers. Brad and Veronica, come on over. Amen. Alvar and Luciana, come on over. It's okay. We're about to leave the church now anyway, so it's not about staying where we're sitting. We can move around a bit. Man, don't stand alone. Stand with somebody. Grab somebody's arm. Go across the aisles. Reach out. Because this is important. What you're going to do is you're going to start speaking into the life of of the person beside you and you're going to start speaking about the promise that God has for you and you are actually going to declare prophetically that God is about to move in them. So just start speaking about the person on your right and just say, God, just bless them. Cause your windows of heaven to open up over them. Just speak that. Just declare his word. Speak his word. Say, Lord, you have promises for this person that are greater than we can imagine. You have great things ahead for them. And now say, now speak about, Lord, teach them to know your word, to maintain what you give them, that they will be successful in seeing it grow. Speak that over the person on your right. Release it. Say, I agree with God's word over this person's life. And now to the person on your left. Do the same thing. Declare God's word. Say, Lord, your word says that this person's going to be the head and not the tail. So, Lord, I speak over this person to be the head, not the tail. Lord, I speak over this person that they would not be unfruitful, but they would be fruitful in everything they do. Lord, I speak over this person that everything they touch will succeed and grow and be greater. Lord, I declare your word that says that we are those that are the conquerors in Christ. Lord, I speak that and I release that over this person. And Lord, I ask, oh God, that you would teach them principles to maintain and to grow what they have so when they walk in victory, they would walk in a greater victory. And Lord, they would walk in a victory that brings others to victory as well. 
Lord, I speak that and I release that over this family this morning in your precious name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. When you look at somebody...